Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, I use they, them pronouns, and welcome to just like our chill episode. I mean, we're recording between Christmas and New Year's, everything's in limbo, we're just waiting for the calendar to roll over, and we're, we're stuck in the meat space and just like, whatever, man, let's do this. Maybe our elbows will bump the table, maybe I won't even edit it out, who knows? It's like smooth jazz podcasting. Um... So, anyway, Tanner, we are finally breaking off the Jane Austen seal. Yes, which I'm kind of surprised it took us that long, but also I think I put a kibosh on a whole bunch of Jane Austen stuff, because I, like, I want to dibs them for my own stuff, like, not even on the podcast. Like, I want to rewrite and reboot them and publish them on my own. (laughs) Yes, so, um, this is slightly different from what I know you're planning, because we've talked about it in the car a whole bunch. Yes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, the days... 2 a.m. in the driveway. The, the the prequel series to this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what I'm doing is yet another uh, Pride and Prejudice prequel. Or not prequel, sequel. sequel. So that's the other way around. Yeah, See, other I, I babadooked the word into your brain. Look, we've also been working on uh, Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So, hey, remember when we had a Star Wars episode come out immediately prior to this? And we're like, ah, and then we're going to do a Brendan Sith and do this, da 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 We basically decided this is too much for a podcast. We might just completely rewrite the whole series. Yeah. So look but forward... But hey, we can talk about the ideas, like, yes. every fourth and sometime around Christmas. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, look forward to seeing that come. Uh, three chapters come out on AO3, and then we get too busy with real life. Yes. Anyways, you're you're doing Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Which I'm curious as to what you're doing, or well, I guess you already said you're doing a sequel. Yeah. So that because I was really curious because you can't do something with zombies. That's no. been done. Also, a modern reboot has also been done. A couple times. Yeah. So like the only thing I could think of is, are they going to space? No, no. It's more like family drama. Um, dealing with Wickham being probably a mid-functioning sociopath, so, oh boy, has he got enemies that Lydia's gonna have to deal with. Yes. And then eventually getting to the Agua Valley. So this is basically two Pride, two Prejudice? Yes. Uh, this is going to be a Pride and Prejudice sequel starring Lydia Bennett, everybody's uh, love-to-hate younger sister who... At 15, marries Mr. Wickham, who's probably twice her age. Yeah, I think he's about 30. He's at least in his 20s. He's in his late 20s, because I know that Mr. Darcy, whom he grew up with, was like 28. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Mr. Wickham is gross. (laughs) I'm just gonna say he's fucking gross. Ah, the 1800s, where they looked at statutory rape and said, Hey, that's my favorite (laughs) rom-com. God, like... Okay, I was just thinking about about it the other day, where it's like, I hope that some of these families who were in a situation where they had, like, heiresses, like a Georgiana, they had at least had the good sense to know how to snip out bullshit so that the money didn't get wasted. Yeah. God, it says a lot about the time where the 27-year-old who gets married is looked on as weird because she's 27. When the 15-year-old runs off with the guy, the only weird thing about it is that he might be broke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so anyways, in this case, a lot of this idea came from 
TV tropes, the bastion of pop culture knowledge. Yes. On their Your Mileage May Vary page, they have a, under Harsher and Hindsight, this entry. Quote, Darcy buys Wickham a commission as an officer in the Newcastle regulars as part of his bribe to force him to marry Lydia. In real life, the regiment stationed in Newcastle fought at Waterloo and suffered the heaviest casualties of any British troops. The officer corps in particular was killed off virtually to a man. Austin couldn't have predicted this, of course, because it, the book came out in 1812 and Waterloo was in 1816. Okay. Yeah. Going back to the quote, had Wickham had been real, he wouldn't have survived to plague the Bingleys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Wickham, good sir. Take 500 pounds, go join the army, and die. <laughs> All you have to do is marry this teenager. This is a brilliant plan. <laughs> I bet the day after they found out that Wickham had, or the day they found out that Wickham was dead, they just went like, yes! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I make them sound very cruel, but, like, honestly. Well, it definitely would have been that, like, oh, it's such a tragedy <laughs> that Wickham passed in the army, and now all that Lydia has left is his entire estate and all the money he left in her name. Oh, wait, he has no money. Oh, really? Like, wouldn't he get even a little bit from the military? Uh, he probably would have gone pay. Lydia would have gone his, like, pension and some widow benefits from the army, but... From what I understand, Wickham was one of those types who just, like, spends a lot of money and had a gambling addiction. And... Oh, fuck. Lydia's inheriting his debts. <laughs> yes! <laughs> She's got nothing. Oh! She's got more money going out than coming in. And she's 18 by this time. Oh, no! She's in the worst situation, which is why I'm like, I hope that there were some, like, Regency-era families that could smell out bullshit like this. I mean, you would think she'd be okay, because two of her sisters married rich. Yes. They could have, they would probably at least feel something for her, where it's like, oh, oh, Lydia, you poor child. Literal child. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, you can stay with us, we'll take care of you. But here's my thing about Wickham. Of course, Austin wouldn't have known about psychopaths. We didn't know really anything about them until fairly recently. I mean, just because she didn't know the term psychopath doesn't know she knew about men being serial bastards. Yeah. Okay, so she probably would have, probably might have encountered some people like that. Like, they say that about 10% of the population probably has, like, antisocial personality disorder, or at least those tendencies. But that's really, like, that's just a small bit of what goes into making, like, not even just a psychopath, but a psychopath who becomes dangerous. Yes. Because and there's so many factors that just pile in onto yeah, it. And yeah, most are high-functioning enough that they can, like, get by on their own. They're just your shitty manager. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Now we're getting everybody who works in retail thinking about their bosses. I'm not going to call my bosses psychopaths <laughs> that I currently work for. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, the more well-adjusted ones, especially if they come from like the sort of privileged family that can get you into the upper levels. Um, yeah, a lot of business people, a lot of bankers, a lot of politicians... 
Yeah, and it's also, like, when Lizzie Bennet Diaries took the character of Wickham and turned him into, like, an abusive partner, that wasn't much of a stretch. Yeah, it's actually kind of logical to see that that would happen. Yeah. And then, like, you fold in, like, the gambling debts, and and he is stated in canon to have, like, squandered his education and whatever money was given to him on just, like, really quick... Uh, amusements. He's not gonna be like murderous or anything. He's just like, he's almost a con man level of terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed with a gambler. So anyway, the other thing that I did was do a bit of research into maybe one of the regiments that he might have been set uh, sent to because there was a couple up there, but the one that's associated with the uh, Newcastle Barracks is the Six Killing Dragoons. And they were veterans of uh, Peninsula War, which was, uh, Napoleon had decided that he wanted to invade Spain. <laughs> it didn't work out that well. It was kind of like a prelude to what would happen in fucking Russia. And it turned into his Spanish ulcer as he liked to call it. Oh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, poor Wickham. He gets sent to an actual regiment, not a whole bunch of reservists whose job is to guard the lovely little town of Meryton and just enjoy, you know, all the luxuries there. No, no, no. They were in the shit for a long time. They probably will, would not take any of Wickham's bullshit at all. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like, there's gambling. So he's frequently losing his money. He frequently owes people money. And Lydia is, of course, absolutely oblivious because she's a 15-year-old girl that is still, like, really hyped up about this whole situation. Yay! I'm finally an adult! (laughs) Oh, Lydia. So anyway, uh, the big thing that happened to the Innis killing during the Battle of Waterloo was they were part of the Charge of the Union Brigade with... Uh, the English Royal Dragoons and the Scottish Scots Greys, where they were taking on uh, Donzalo's division, and they were. This charge was famous for being like the only point in the battle where they managed to capture not one but two Imperial Eagles. They were like the standards. Okay. Uh, a French regiment, and they were treated with the same reverence that the Romans treated their eagles. Wait, so was this just a whole game of capture the flag? It was a little bit capture the flag, but, like, there was some strategic importance. But, um, basically the point of the whole eagle, like, you know, like, eagles from the Roman era that Napoleon deliberately decided to reinvoke to, like, bring pride to the regiment. Okay. And the whole... It comes from this whole idea of regimental colors, which is like your flags and all that. Um, you lose them, you might as well not go home. It's a humongous shame to lose them. Oof. Yeah. So anyway, these three uh, cavalry regiments—they're the only ones to capture um, to capture eagles that day, and then they get slaughtered because, the, like, they take on this regiment, and then they do. Then they kind of back off, but it's really disorganized, and then the Scots kind of pull off to go and do another thing, and they got slaughtered there at a different section, but the Killing also got slaughtered. Yeah. So, yeah, Wickham's dead. Good job. Yeah. So, basically, poor Lydia is, like, 18, and she's widowed. I decided, oh, yeah, we're just gonna pile on with 
a kid. Oh, great. <laughs> Love a teen pregnancy in the 1800s. Yeah. She manages to have a lovely little boy named George, and now she's like, oh god, what did I do? And she's gonna inherit Wickham's debts, and then she's gonna be like, I have no skills. I have no actual, like, ability to survive on my own. Because, like, also in canon, um, big thing that Mr. and Mrs. Bennett really neglected to do was actually educate their daughters. Oh, uh, yeah. Good thing the top three were all nerds. Yes. <laughs> The top three were constantly in their dad's library, thank <laughs> Christ. The other two, well, uh, apparently Kitty had the benefit of basically living with um, Lizzie and Darcy for a while, and she got kind of a crash course education and became a much better person from that, and ended up marrying a vicar who lives near Pemberley, so she's all good. But, yeah... Lydia's kind of in a whole, a whole lot of hot water, and also she doesn't have, like, aside from, like, actual marketable, like, marriage market skills, uh, she doesn't have any practical skills. Ugh. Which is something that the Bennets deliberately did because they thought that they were better than that because, like, of course they're always going to have servants to do everything for them. Ugh. Not like those Lucases who had to learn how to, like, make stuff, like pies and all that. Yeah. Bitch, you can't even be a spinster. Fuck. Yeah. Even then, if, if like she became a spinster, it would be expected that you would have at least one lady's maid. So, <laughs> it's still expensive. You gotta keep her. So, yeah. Poor, poor Lydia. Anyway, what I was thinking was that Lydia's distressed. She wants to go and find Wickham because, like, she doesn't know if he's alive, alive or dead at first. And she finds this nice... Rather exhausted, rather done with everything, Hanoverian soldier. I need Matthias Becker. Okay, maybe an officer. Like, a low-ranking, you know, comes from a low-ranking uh, Hanoverian uh, noble family. Like, not even a title, really. They just got a plot of land somewhere that got burned down twice by <laughs> the invading French soldiers. Oh, no. It's actually based on something that happened to some ancestors of mine over in Vernonburg. Oh, good job. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay at least has done some pre-research and, you know, likes to draw from family history because why not? Burned down, fell over, and sank into the swamp. Yeah. So, anyway, Matthias helps her find poor Wickham probably under a horse or something. <laughs> <laughs> no dignified death for you. And, yeah, you know... No, no Knowing Lydia, even if it was a shitty marriage, she'd still probably be like, Oh, no, my darling Wickham has passed on and left me all alone! <laughs> and Matthias is just like... <laughs> very distant <laughs> shoulder pad. <laughs> not even a head pad, it's a shoulder pad. <laughs> she, he's like, please stop crying. I am German. I can't handle emotion. <laughs> the Germans do not rest. We toil until we collapse. <laughs> what is this emotion you talk about? <laughs> We do not feel feelings for the English. <laughs> and even then the English are like, what feelings? <laughs> we just repress. 
And see, that explains a lot about my heritage. And mine too. Okay, yeah. Edmund and Faustina come over to Canada, have 14 kids because they need the spares. Which <laughs> turned out to be correct because three of them just disappeared into the night. <laughs> I mean, my one great-grandma's husband, like, dropped dead 17 days after coming to Canada. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tried. She married again, like, soon afterwards. Though apparently her son, my great-grandfather, and his stepdad did not get along. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of expected for the time. And one killed the other over the local maple syrup business. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story of a little town called the Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, there will be some like in between where Lydia goes back to England and is, you know, trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Well, she definitely moves in with Lizzie. Or Jane. No, she probably moves in with Jane because yeah. Lizzie, even though Lizzie would take her in, she would, would be also sympathetic enough to be like, oh, Oh, you don't deserve that. Well, no, here's the thing. Like, they'd both be super sympathetic to their cause. Yeah. But I feel like Lydia would take look look at Jane and look at Lizzie and think, mm, Jane's going to judge me less. Yes. <laughs> Lizzie, I love you like a sister. I am your sister. <laughs> but you have, when you give wisdom, it tends to kind of, this and a lot of, well, Lydia, dear honey, please listen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she tries to be super nice. <laughs> Whereas Lizzie would have a way of making Lydia feel like it was her fault that she married a terrible person and also her fault that he died. <laughs> yes. If there's the biggest character, no, the two biggest character flaws of Lizzie Bennet is pride and self-righteousness. Yes. <laughs> Those tend to go hand in hand. Like, the three sisters are there, Lydia's like, oh no, how am I going to support my darling child? And Jane's like, oh, don't worry, dear sister, your life's not over. And Lizzie's in the corner, well, I mean... <laughs> What do you do well? Answer quickly. I mean, I dress well. Well, I'm sorry, dear, but Tyra Banks isn't going to exist for another 200 years, so you're shit out of luck. Yeah. That's, yeah. So I have a list of things to take care of for Lydia Bennett. Can she smize? She's got debts, and people are going to come after Lydia because uh, people are kind of like, "Bitch, where's my money?" Hey, in the eight in the early eighteen hundreds, because do you still just like sell your children to a work camp or something to cover debts? <laughs> Maybe. <sighs> I've heard of worse, so but I don't think Lydia would do that. I think it's more just like people are going to be like, "Hey, where's my money?" Hey! 
we just got a little score to settle, eh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know how Wickham a Crudettes from 1920s New York yeah. buddy did. See? <laughs> Look, Wickham has a bookie, and that bookie is like, I don't fucking care how. Just pay the fuck up. So yes, next on the docket, skills. <laughs> Again, Lydia is like, um... Do you actually know anything? I can stand in a window <laughs> and people pass, will pass by and they will say, look at how wonderful that hat looks on her. <laughs> and then they will buy the hat. <laughs> Lydia, you can't be a mannequin. <laughs> I have invented waddling. <laughs> Lydia, Lydia, come back, come back, come back. Just away from the mirror. <laughs> Uh, let's see. New love, because Jane Austen, we gotta have the romance in there. Is it the German guy? Well, he's one of the potential love interests. The other one is a guy by the name of Anthony Beauchamp. He is a spirited and wealthy heir of a, of a general, yeah, I'm kind of missing in a bunch of other Austen stuff. Um, his money could take care of Lydia and her son, but is he willing to do that? Well, it looks like I'll just have to stand in front of him and look pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will run very quickly so that every time he looks in a different shop window, I will be there. <laughs> Lydia, this is a bakery. And I will hold some bread to get his attention. And he will look at me and he will say, I shall get this bread. <laughs> and of course, growing the fuck up. <laughs> because after a certain point, she can't be taken care of anymore. Yeah. Yeah, she's got to be able to take care of herself because she has someone who relies on her. Little Jared who will be just like a cute baby. Jane rushes in. Lizzie, Elizabeth, I fear our sister is touched. It's been two days and she hasn't cried at all. <laughs> oh, God, I haven't heard songs. You're right. <laughs> so, potential enemies. A <laughs> <laughs> <Her> rogues gallery. <laughs> Because Wickham was that dude who just, like, pissed off people. And I I am guessing that the who's ever remaining for the regiment is not going to be sympathetic because it's like, he was the fucking new guy. <laughs> Nobody liked him. Yeah. Still, you say enemies. And I immediately picture Lydia, like, sitting alone in her apartment at Batflies, and she's like, oh, yes, that's what I shall do. Become the knight. <laughs> Batman 1816. <laughs> so anyway, I came up with this guy called James Campbell, a break and a con artist Wickham owes a lot of money to. And has some dark intentions that he doesn't let on, but that might be a bit too dark. Oi, told Wickham everything he knows, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. If a bit dark, and maybe like dark and sexy. It's like, I can make all of your problems go away, Lydia. <laughs> And this is where Lizzie can help, where it's like her bullshit detection is on, like, high alert. <laughs> well, actually, no, I feel like it should be Lydia figuring it out on her okay. own. yes. Where she's like, wow, you're like a brunette Wickham. Something about that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> bad memories start flooding back. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I tried to block that out. Like, she, she, she walks back home, like, sister... I met a man who talks like Wickham and looks like Wickham and acts like Wickham and is kind of nefarious like Wickham and also knew Wickham and taught Wickham everything he knows. Do you think I should marry him? No. 
<laughs> That's what I was thinking too. We're on such the same wavelength. <laughs> and then and then Lizzie writes back to Jane being like, I think we're making progress. <laughs> and then of course, Matthias Becker, he's looking to offload his what's left of the family estate. <laughs> he goes back to Hanover and it's like, says nothing nothing here. <laughs> sees the smoldering remains of, of like their of their manor house and it's like I wonder who will be willing to buy some German land. <laughs> <laughs> this is based off of a real thing. After the Napoleonic Wars, when uh, Britain realized we don't need all of these soldiers active anymore because France is kind of like donezo for the next uh, 20 years. <laughs> we don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Um, and like the East India Company's mostly taking care of India right now, being absolute bastards to them, but that's fine. We'll take over in like 50 years. We have a whole bunch of Canada, and we still don't really like the U.S., and they get kind of like... Manifest Destiny hasn't really come up yet, but even then, we're kind of like... We're keeping our eye on you. Chauncey, yes, sir. Is is colonialism still considered a good thing these days? Oh, yes, sir, it's wonderful. Oh, good, 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 jolly good chap. Send all of these spare soldiers to Canada. There's nothing going on down there. I'm sure it'll be fine. Also, they couldn't pay the fucking guys, and like the last thing you need is a lot of people going like going to the entire government with weapons, going like, "Bitch, where's my money?" The British Navy has unionized. <laughs> well, actually, there was a whole bunch of expeditions for the British Navy, like or the Royal Navy. God damn, if Dad heard me say British Navy. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's gonna cut me out of the inheritance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the third child they never had. Oh shit! How am I gonna pay my dowry? <laughs> so anyway, the Royal Navy actually went on a whole bunch of expeditions, especially to like the Arctic and Antarctic, because they're like, we have a shit ton of sailors. We have all of these ships. We have we have to do something with them because otherwise they're gonna be on half pay, and the ships are gonna be rotting in the harbor, and people are gonna be fucking mad. Sir, seven ships have just sunk, frozen to death in the Antarctic. Mmm, pity. (laughs) Yeah, that was literally the attitude. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's how we got the Franklin Expedition out of that. Uh, go watch the terror, it's good. Um, never thought a polar bear would scare me like that. Well, it has the face of man. Ah, yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, actual important scientific studies were done during these expeditions. Like, we actually figured out that, uh, where Magnetic North was, because that's super important to navigation. It's at the North Pole. Santa told them. But it moves around a whole bunch. Yeah, because it follows Santa. <laughs> so Santa's over in Russia now? Oh no. <laughs> They're never gonna let him leave. No, he's, he's trying to save it. <laughs> he's, he's leading the revolution. <laughs> he is the only one stronger than Vladimir Putin. Yes. <laughs> the Christmas Chronicles too. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, Brenda's like, oh god, what do we do with all these people? You know what? Canada is fucking empty. Go, go. We'll pay for your land. Just leave. And that included their Hanoverian guys, because the King of England was also the King of Hanover at the time. Okay. Until Queen Victoria, because over Germany they were kind of sexist about, like, who could actually rule, and they're like, no, your cousin, 
uh, Ernest is going to become king there. Oh. And then the Prussians are like, it's ours now. Yoink. So, so you're saying that they kind of just handed it over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> I don't have a room here. I'd have to live in the linen closet. <laughs> then you can sleep on the couch. Okay. Yeah. That's actually tall enough for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, they buy the German land. What do they even grow in Germany? Weary. <laughs> so there's a reason why we like beer. <laughs> we don't think about things. <laughs> so... So, anyway, the whole thing would be, like, your usual Jane Austen comedy of, like, trying to figure out what the fuck to do, and I'd imagine that old Anthony Beauchamp would prove to be kind of a flake. You know, the classic actually sees the cannon's like, I don't know if I want to deal with that. Or maybe I would just send him off to boarding school and not have to look at him. Why can't I just be an absent father? It's all the rage these days. <laughs> and then, of course, you know the meme of the couple walking by and the guy's looking at the girl, at the hot girl behind him? Yeah, he notices a rich heiress and it's like, oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lydia, but I'm only attracted to rich people. <laughs> oh, Christ. I feel sorry for poor <clears throat> Georgina Darcy because she's got a dowry of like 30,000 pounds. That's like a bullshit magnet right there. Yeah, but also her sister-in-law is Lizzie. Yep, plus her uh, big brother is Darcy, so it's like she's got two like bullshit Jedis right there. Just, <laughs> or anti-bullshit Jedis. Just like the Force protects this child. <laughs> Like, like a suitor comes, shows up to their house and, like, tries to flirt with Georgiana. And then they glance up and there's, like, Lizzie, like, cleaning an elephant gun. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know what, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Miss Bennett, do you go on expeditions to Africa? Why not? All the best game is here. <laughs> Just ominously embroidering something while there's a suitor talking and just the death glare. <laughs> so, so, Mr. Nancy aggressively stabs the needlepoint. What are your intentions with Georgiana? <laughs> and he's like, she could probably murder me with that. <laughs> So, what sort of antics should we get up to in the in the middle between, like, obviously ending up with uh, Matthias Becker going to Canada, where we will then turn it into a generational saga, because there's some interesting Canadian history stuff that's going to come up. Is this just fan fiction for your own family tree? No, we weren't in the Ottawa Valley. We were over in Perry Sam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Totally different part of Ontario. Well, just because you because you said some stuff that happened to Matthias happened to one of your ancestors, and I, I based some stuff. And then they the came family. to Canada, and I was sitting here thinking, Lindsay, do you want one of the Bennett sisters to secretly be your ancestor? I mean, I wouldn't mind Lizzie being one of my ancestors, but like, unfortunately, we were dirt poor. Ah, yeah, like not even rich enough to actually register when someone was actually born. We only have baptismal records to go by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Lydia would definitely be trying to, like, just weasel her way into some kind of apprenticeship. Yeah. 
or just something where I can make money, but it's respectable. And her sisters are like, oh no, no, don't do that, Lydia. Or, or she loses contact with them. Yes. Yeah. Which, okay, slightly darker rep. Well, if you want to go dark, we, we, yeah, we could even have her blaming the sisters for her getting stuck with Wickham. Yeah, you because could save me if you weren't so involved with your own bullshit, this, Lizzie. This was your version of saving me, forcing me to get married to a man you knew was dangerous. Yeah. And they're like, but, but Lydia, your reputation, like, fuck my reputation. My reputation is already in the dirt because I'm with Wickham in the first place. How about my life? How about my kid? How about my money? <laughs> what money? Exactly. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> so yeah, she's going to beg, borrow, and steal whatever she fucking can. Uh, probably across Europe, mostly, because she's like, I can't go home. My reputation is destroyed. Kitty won't give me handouts because she's married to a viker. <laughs> Mary Bennett is... <laughs> Mary's Mary's sitting in the corner of a library rereading Frankenstein. <laughs> Hang on, wait, was Mary Shelley a contemporary? Yes, yes, she would have been. Yes, because Frankenstein came out in 1818. Yeah, Mary Shelley was down in Switzerland when they were doing that. Okay. Yeah. So, side note, uh, stories where Arthur Conan Doyle solves crimes with Harry Houdini are out. <laughs> stories where Jane Austen solves crimes with Mary Shelley are in. Yes. Yeah, so, in fact, Scratch going back to England where she's like, I can't go back to my family now. Like... She does that whole impulse of, like, they're not going to take me in. They're not going to be sympathetic. I'm going to have to deal with Lizzie being fucking condescending to me. Yeah. Because if there is a queen of condescension in the family, it is Lizzie Bennet. Yeah. I love you, Lizzie, but, like, oh, boy. You fuck up in the family. You never live it down around her. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie's got to take care of a very small child, and she herself is, like, 18. Could either of us have taken care of ourselves at 18, really? You would have figured it out. Yeah. I would be fucked. <laughs> would Lydia have just moved to Hanover? Yeah. It's probably the best like me for her and for plot reasons. Yeah, like, I would figure, like, she would try Paris at first because she's like, oh, Paris is so glamorous, and then she realizes, oh, it's fucking expensive, and um, it was a medieval hellhole. Yeah. Yeah. It took until the Second Empire and the Houseman Project to, like, actually, like, make the city look as nice as it is today. And even then, uh, garbage pickup is a bit of a challenge for the French. Huh. Yeah. Unfortunate for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she tries there, and then she goes over to Hanover, which is a bit more, you know, kind of... I mean, for a Canadian, going to Europe, where everything is super old and super, like, architecture and all that, it's amazing. For Germans, it's considered, like, one of the most boring places in Germany. <laughs> Which might be best for her, because zero hmm. reputation coming in. Yeah. And the bar for knowing skills is probably low. Yeah. She probably could, like, get her way in. She'd probably aim for, like, being a seamstress. Yeah. Because it's like, well... At least I can fake being fancy. Yeah. And then, like, her um, mentor comes in and is like, yeah, fix these hats. Yeah, she would work for, like, a haberdasher. They're the people who, like, do, like, or a milliner. They kind of do both. It's, like, hats, accessories, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which she would be good at. 
She actually learned some skills. She learns to survive on her own. She can, like, take care of this kid. And Matthias walks into her life like, okay, I, I need to get out of here because, like, I don't have ways of making money here. I hear that Canada's great, can start a whole new life. And the reason why I picked the Ontario Valley is because, like, a whole bunch of people ended up there in the town of Perth was actually, like, full of, like, a whole bunch of people from all over the place. Like, yeah, it was supposed to be a Scottish settlement, but it didn't work out like that. Um, and also I want to get to some interesting points of Canadian history, like, uh, the, the Upper and Lower Canada Rebellions. Yay! So, yeah, it's basically those points, and it's more of a character thing, where it's like Lydia grows up, basically. Yeah. It's her coming of age, and then we can deal with her other sisters later in their lives mostly jane jane gets grows a backbone when dealing with uh caroline remember that bitch yeah oh <laughs> i cannot imagine being her sister-in-law god i'd murder her <laughs> anyway yeah so where are we at time wise uh we're about 45 minutes in okay do you feel like there's anything else you can think of to add to this um, like... The I, core of the story, because, like, yeah, as you said, there would be a whole bunch of stuff happening with regards to sequels, potentially, yeah. but... I think it's going to be a most, mostly a character thing, and I think, like, how do you go from Lydia when she's 15 to Lydia when she's, say, 25? You give her about that much amount. Or, like, 18 to 25. Like, she goes through this horrible, shocking thing and, like, you know, reconciling, maybe not reconciling. Um, I do want to do flashbacks to her marriage with Wickham. I don't know how, I'm trepidatious on how dark that should get. Like, I'm thinking he definitely does shady shit and uses her as, for part of his, like, get some money quick schemes. Yeah. Like, he made her do a whole bunch of stuff. I can't see... Uh, I know that canonically, like, he gets tired of her first, and she kind of, like, clings on for a while. And what I was thinking, like, how she got to Waterloo was that, like, Wickham, like, drops her off at her parents' place and then, like, fucks off to Waterloo because he's kind of got roped in. Or, like, he tried to leave the regiment, but they're like, hey, Wickham, you're coming with us. Mm-hmm. Like, she runs off to Belgium to, like, be near him and all that as, like, this last-ditch effort of maybe we can make this work, maybe he'll love me because I'm here and I'm supporting him, and then, boom, dead. Yeah. Well, that didn't work. Um, oh, and then, like, going from a very flighty, very selfish um, very inconsiderate teenager to being a more, how would you describe a Lydia after that? Practical. Yeah. Like she's going to prioritize, okay, we have to do this, 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 and this, and maybe hardening. There is a certain flintiness to her personality after that. But hey, maybe she's still, like, in there, there is, like, this, like, because she loves her son so much and she wants to take care of her son and, like, make sure that he survives. Yeah. 
Because, like, I don't think she could go through the emotional baggage of child dying on her. No. No. That's too cruel. Speaking of the son, uh, what is the son's name? George. Okay. Because, of course, she's going to name her son George after her husband George. Again, as a way of trying to, like, cling on to this marriage. You can't leave me. Yeah. And I would say... He turns into a nice lad. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, like, most of his... He'd probably be... Unfortunately, probably be a prop for most of this. Yeah, because he's too young to really do anything. That's why, for a later sequel, he actually, like, does stuff. And maybe he worries a bit about potentially becoming his real daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it's like, no, I am your real father. <laughs> <laughs> he might be your father, but he's not your daddy. Pretty much. Yeah. And... I think what would attract Matthias to Lydia is that, like, through their interactions, he is, like, maybe not, like, a hate-to-love sort of thing, because I find that really annoying, and definitely not a, a, uh, fuck, uh, fuck, fuck, what's it called? Uh, slaps-up-kiss relationship. Uh, that sort of stuff. Because that's another really annoying trope that isn't exactly healthy. Yeah. Like, okay, arguing in a relationship that is going to happen, you're going to have your differences, you just deal with it. The problem is when you're arguing all the time. Yeah. So, we're not going to do that. It's more going to be, like, Matthias is trying to deal with this shit, he owes money, Lydia's trying to deal with her shit, she's trying to rope this other guy... Like, they're interacting with each other, they're trying to work together, because, like, maybe if we team up, we can do something. And maybe it's one of those, like, Beauchamp turns out to be the fucking flake, and, like, it's like, bye, I'm mirroring an heiress. And she's like, fuck. Well, my kid needs a dad, I need a husband after a while, and maybe I can get an even cleaner slate in North America. Hey, Matthias, you want to get married? He's like... Sure, I could use a wife. So yeah, maybe it's not even a romantic relationship at the beginning. But then they grow to love each other. Yes! Ah! <laughs> they have all these, they go through the hardships, but they have all these successes later on. Like, you can even get them to Canada and they're like building the cabin. It's like the beginning of fucking Tarzan. When Tarzan's parents are, like, building their cabin in the jungle, and, and it's so sweet and all that, you can have a good musical montage. Okay, I'm talking about writing a book, but, like, yeah, <laughs> adapt this into a TV show, and, or, or, like, a, a movie or something. And, yeah, you could have, like, all these, like, they realize, oh, fuck, you are kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the best ending you can get in those times. Yeah. Again, romantic side of me is going, like... A lot of these marriages, especially when money was involved, like, politics and money come first and foremost in, in your arrangements of these marriages, but at the same time, they realize, like, having the couple actually like each other was also pretty good because it meant that they would at least have kids and, like, you wouldn't have a whole bunch of problems. You wouldn't have to deal with, you know, fighting. Nobody wants to deal with fighting. Yeah. But like, it was just universally kind of acknowledged that you were going to be lucky to find someone you love. Like, genuinely love. But this might be an actual ends up being a love match after they get married. <laughs> anyway, at the end, 
William Matthias, I have planned out end up with one, two, three, four, five, six other kids. Oh, good job. Like, you need those kids for labor. That's true. Remember, you always need spares. <laughs> yeah. Anything more that you would like to add, or should we go to a friendship promo? Um, I think, I think we've covered pretty much your entire plan for yeah. this. Yeah. Sorry for being all over the place. This is the relaxed fed episode. Yes. Just had a big yawn. Yeah. So in that case, I did hear that Netherfield has been let. Oh. So we should go introduce ourselves. Yes. And while we do that, we'll cut over to a friendship promo. Hey, everybody. I'm Jake. I'm Josh. I'm Shannon. And I'm Alan. And we're the Cool Kids Table, a RPG podcast about shitty teens. And magical girls. And really bad D&D heroes. And just any other stuff we can get our hands on. And our D&D heroes aren't that bad. We didn't actually plan what to say for this, so I hope you're into people flying by the seat of their pants and just incapable of playing game systems correctly. And bad puns. Wonderful puns. So you can get all this and more every other Sunday over at the Cool Kids table. And And you you can can sit sit with us. Oh, those... Mr. Bingley was so nice. And Mrs. Bingley, too. Can't say much about, their, about the Bunsuster, though. Yes, yes. And they're uh, quite good at dispatching any of the zombies that appeared on our journey. Oh, yes. <laughs> quite skilled with the katana. Indeed. <laughs> I actually like Prime Predator just better without the zombies, because the zombies were just slammed in there so haphazardly. Yeah. And the ending was like, oh, and then we stopped the zombie apocalypse because we fed them cabbages, which look like a brain, so that's all right. You know what's better? Death comes to Pemberley. I'm not familiar with that one, I don't think. It's a murder mystery. Okay. Yeah. Well, that one, Wickham is still around after the Battle of Waterloo, somehow. Um, The Prior and Prejudice and Zombies movie made it a little bit more interesting. Ah. um, Because Wickham was a zombie, and also the Antichrist. Oh my god! But then again, evil asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Lena Head. I'm pretty sure it was Lena Headey who played Catherine DeBrun. <laughs> um, hang on, let me quickly check that cast. Lily James was Liz Bennett. Yeah. Um, Sam Riley was Darcy, who I think his other major role was. Yeah, he's the bird from Maleficent. <laughs> uh, and Jack Houston was Wickham. Yeah. And then Matt Smith was Collins. Oh, wow. Oh, and Charles Dance was Mr. Bennett. Oh, nice. Just looking into my recognize anyone else? No. There is a scene uh, in the book where Lizzie becomes so tired of Lydia's prattling that she dreams about decapitating her. <laughs> Which does say a lot about how she views her sisters. Yes. <laughs> I think... I think until after that book, it was, like, best sisters Jane and... Um, yeah, the others exist. Yeah. Uh, tune in next year where we do a reboot of Little Women. <laughs> but also as a, a historical mashup. Yes. Little Women, Giant Robots. <laughs> I love the, that. Actually, there was, I, apparently there was a Little Women anime that was made by the same studio that did a Giant Mecha anime. Yes! Yeah, they, they did a whole bunch of... Um, Literary adaptations. Did they also do the Anne of Green Gables? Yeah, and I think the Anne of Green Gables adaptation was done by the guy who uh, did Akira or was part of the animation for Akira. So what we need to get 
is Capcom versus <laughs> women of classical literature. <laughs> Lizzie Bennet's finisher is just her entire speech to Darcy, and it does massive damage. <laughs> I love the one, the one meme where they synced it up to turn down for what. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Lindsay. Tanner. I almost na- called you Lizzie. <laughs> also, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and it's pronounced, My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. <laughs> and you can find this podcast on Instagram at Not If I Reboot You First. That's all one word, and the hashtag that we follow is N-I-I-R-Y-F, and that is pronounced... It is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. You can also email us at notafraidbootyoufirst at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite Bennett sister. And also, it's another truth universally acknowledged that a single podcast in possession of a good chemistry between the co-hosts must be in want of a guest. So if you would like to be a guest, you can ask us through that email. But if you do, be sure to send us a hint instead of your entire idea because we love being surprised. Also, if you'd like to support us more directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash first, where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out for all of our patrons, including Charlie and Cassidy. Thanks, Charlie and Cassidy. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachoo, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Lindsay. Tanner. Would you like a hint for next week? Yes, I would. Well, let me check, because I'm pretty sure next week is the People's Choice. Why is next week the people's choice? Because we didn't have one in December, and next week is the only room we have in January for one. Yay! So next week, we will be talking about one of the granddaddies of video games. So you guys can hop on back here when we talk about that, but not if we reboot you first. Bye! Bye. You were talking about the E.T. game? No. (laughs) (laughs) But let me add that to the list.